Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so nice to have you here. Uh, I, I'm privileged to be able to speak with you this morning. My name's Glenn. I'm one of the people here at the, on the team at Temple Baptist, and it's really a privilege for me to be able to talk with you. Happy Mother's Day. I uh, trust you had a good day. Guys, you're probably a little extra tired, getting up early, making French toast, putting out the flowers and all the chocolate dipped strawberries right there for mom. I'm glad you made the extra effort, and uh, I'm sure you deserved a little rest this afternoon, but uh, good job, good, good start. Uh, this morning when we were having uh, breakfast together, uh, my 12-year-old son Owen came out with uh, a little gift for my wife, for, for her, his mom and said, Mom, I wanted you to be happy here on Mother's Day, so I bought you these overpriced chocolates. <laughs> and then he went on to describe how overpriced they were. I mean, really, who does, who charges that much for chocolate? Sounds like his dad, actually. <laughs> but uh, I hope you guys are having a great day. We had some fun earlier this morning, and I trust that you've had some, uh, just, uh, some moments of, of joy. I hope that you enjoy your day. Um, and I know also that there are people for whom Mother's Day isn't filled completely with happiness and joy. Sometimes people struggle, and there are times for some who don't experience all that joy that we want everyone to enjoy, especially on Mother's Day. But to those who have some hurt today, we recognize your situation, and we hope that you can find some joy even today. For those who are watching online, we just want to welcome you as well. Good to have you to join us. If you live in the area, I'll give you our address. You can stop by some Sunday morning. It's good to have you to join us here right on Quinn Drive. Uh, today I wanted to talk about joy. I think it's a great topic to talk about. It's great for us to remember about joy. I've done a little bit of studying about joy over the years, and this week kind of studying again, and I've found that Jesus has a position on joy. When it comes to joy, Jesus has an opinion. He has a position on it. And you know what it is? He's in favor of it. Jesus is in favor. And that might come, to a shock, uh, come as a shock to some of you. Some of us have this idea of who God is, and it sort of is divorced from this idea of joy. And yet, as we look today, I hope that you will be able to see Jesus' position on joy is certainly one of favor. Romans chapter 15, we're going to look there just briefly, we're going to get back to this verse, but uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles, turn to John chapter 15, and I'll talk about Romans 15 first while you're looking at that. We'll get to John 15 in, in a little while, but Romans 15, there's a, couple, there's a verse here where the author is writing to a group of believers, and he says, may the God of hope. God has a number of different titles in the, in the Bible, and here is one that he, he gives us some of his titles so that we know a little bit more of who he is. His titles explain who he is. And this one title that we see in this verse, it says it's the God of hope. Our God is the God of hope. That's an important thing. But as this writer writes to this church in, in Rome, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace so that you may, uh, as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
He says that he's the God of hope. And at the end of the verse, it says that he wants us to overflow with hope. That's amazing. But he also gives us the pathway that he wants to fill us. He wants to fill you who are believers. He wants to fill us with all joy and peace. So we need to recognize that joy and peace are, are found in him. He's the source for all of those things. But it says at the end that you, as you trust in him so that you may overflow, that idea of overflow means to superabound, or it means to superabound either in quality or in quantity. He wants our, our amount of hope to be superabounding, to be in excess. God, I think Jesus' position uh, on joy is pretty clear. He's in favor of it. In Galatians chapter 5, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And it's love, joy, peace, patience. That's uh, part of what being a believer is, that it's the fruit of the Spirit, and joy is part of that. In Luke chapter 15, we're told that when one person believes in Jesus, when one person places their faith, their trust in Jesus, when they find that they are repentant and they find forgiveness for their sins, it says there's a reaction in heaven. And Luke 15 says that there's joy in heaven, over one sinner who repents. Amazing. Joy in heaven. In John chapter 15, if you found John chapter 15, you want to look at this. The verse specifically I wanted to look at was verse 11. And it says, I've told you this so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete. Some versions say, I've told you this so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be full or your joy might be uh, mature, fully mature. That's the idea that's here. I've told you this so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full or might be complete. That word, that, that last word, that our joy should be full, our joy should be complete, it's from the root verb that means to fill. It actually means to cram. And, and it's a picture of uh, fishermen filling a net and filling it as full as they can, just cramming one last fish into that net. And that's the word that is the word picture for us when Jesus says that he wants his joy to be in us. And then he says, I've told you this so that his joy, my joy might be in you and that your joy might be crammed full. When it comes to joy, God doesn't want to give you a little bit. God wants to cram your net full of joy. He wants to fill your cup to overflowing. Sometimes when we think we might not be able to handle that much joy. In fact, I think some believers don't think they really want that much joy. I can handle a little joy, but I'm uh, more comfortable uh, the way I am. But what does he tell us before this verse? If you have John chapter 15 in front of you, 11 says, verse 11 is the verse that we looked at, and it said, I tell you this so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be full. But what did he tell us in those verses beforehand? Verse 1 of John 15, he's talking about, he presents this picture where Jesus pictures himself as a vine, and he picture all, pictures all of his followers as branches. And he says, remain in me, stay connected to me, continue following me, he says that, that he's in verse 1 that he's a vine, and he says in verse 4, remain in me. And then he explains what it means to remain in him. And down in verse 9, he says, remain in my love. Stay connected. Follow me in my love. Remain in that. Stay there. And then he says in verse 10, an interesting, it's almost a process. 
It says in verse 10, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. So verse 4, remain in me. Verse 9, remain in my love. Verse 10, here's how to remain in my love. If you obey my commands, if you follow the guidelines that I've set out for you, then you will remain in my love. And then verse 11, I'm telling you this, I've told you this, so that my joy might be in you, and that your joy might be crammed full. Amazing that he has given us that. So that's his purpose for us. And yet I sometimes think that we set, we set our standards a little too low. We set our sights a little too low. We, our expectations aren't quite as high as they should be. C.S. Lewis wrote a little bit about this idea that we settle for maybe the pursuit of happiness instead of receiving the joy that comes from Christ. C.S. Lewis writes, Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And throughout the scriptures, we're told that we, we have a tendency to fall for the counterfeit, fall for the fake, uh, be satisfied with the little when God wants to give us all of what he wants to give us. Throughout the scriptures, in the Old Testament, he talks to his, uh, the nation of Israel about, about warnings against false gods. And in the New Testament, he talks about there's warnings against false prophets and against false messiahs, against a false or another Jesus or another gospel or false brethren or false teachers or false apostles. And he even talks about Satan who tries to deceive us into accepting the counterfeit and forgetting the genuine, saying what we have is good enough. Zambia, country in Africa, has sort of carved, literally carved out for itself a big chunk of the emerald industry worldwide in the last number 20, 30 years. And they've been, become known for their emeralds and their open mine, open pit mine of, of emeralds. And, and people even go there as tourists. When they go there, they want to buy emeralds because it's one of the things that Zambia is known for. Um, a while ago, there was a, another, there was a situation where uh, there had traffic problems throughout Zambia because the traffic lights were stolen. And this was somehow connected to the fact that there were street vendors selling emeralds on the street. The connection is people would steal the street lights, smash up the green lenses, and sell them to unsuspecting uh, self-proclaimed gem experts as tourists on the street as bargain basement emeralds. And they would, people would buy them and they'd say, boy, that's a good deal. And they would think, oh, because it's, it's so much cheaper here on the street. And then they would find out that it's glass. It's actually part of a stoplight. It's the go part of a stoplight. And then they were at the, at the moment, though, at the moment of purchase, they were pleased with that. They were happy with the deal. It wasn't until they realized they fell for the counterfeit. They fell short of what was real, and they were satisfied with what they were being presented. And I think we have to be careful about this idea in our lives as well when it comes to joy, that we don't 
satisfy ourselves or become pleased or say it's good enough just to pursue happiness. God wants to fill us, those verses say, he wants to fill us with joy. Now I want to go to a, a second kind of an idea. There are, if God wants to fill us with joy, why are we not filled with joy? There's, uh, there's a reason for it. It's a pretty simple explanation. They're called joy suckers. They're joy suckers, okay? And I don't know if you know what joy suckers are. Maybe some of you feel, hey, it's no, no elbowing your spouse. That's, come on, it's Mother's Day. Be, you know, be nice. Some of us, we need to understand that this, there's a potential for us about joy suckers. Those who take, joy suckers really take on all shapes and sizes. Um, but here's what a joy sucker looks like. They are negative in their outlook. They are disappointed with their life. They are in need of attention. They are enamored with their own power or influence. And somewhere along the line, they've been allowed to get away with unacceptable behavior. And because they are not happy people, they are determined that others should not be happy either. Do you know people like that? Do you know, don't say yes out loud. Um, I should say, do you know anybody like that here in this room? I don't, I'm tempted to say that. Actually, I just did, didn't I? There are people who are joy suckers. And we need to understand that what they're doing is taking away from the joy that God wants to give us. We need to be careful about these people. There are those, when you see them uh, in your neighborhood or at work, and you realize, my life will be worse after this conversation. (laughs) This person usually steals just a little bit of my soul every time I talk to them. You know, those kinds, of, those kinds of, those are what joy suckers are like. And they are, seem to be determined that because they are unhappy, that everybody else should be unhappy as well. And they have this sphere of influence, this uh, cloud that they try to bring around and spread to everyone with whom they come in contact. And because they are like that, they are like this. They are critical, they are fault-finding, and they are contentious. They're critical, fault-finding, and contentious. Just close your eyes for a minute, and you will be able to, uh, you will see every joy sucker you've ever known. Just, just imagine that. Just imagine them as a group. There was a, a time when I was in seminary, and a friend of mine who was uh, in seminary with me was in charge of the Bible college, the undergraduate school, the, the uh, social activities that were taking place at the college. And so he would get me to help him with some of the planning, and we would go over to the Bible college, and during their chapel period, we would make some announcements to tell them about what was coming up, what social thing we were going to do, what activity, what game, whatever it was, just some fun. And we always try to get, bring some levity to it. And so we happened upon this idea that we would get a, an oldies tune, like from the 60s or something, and then rewrite the lyrics to the announcement that we were trying to make. And we had lots of fun, and we talked to the president of the Bible college and seminary, and, and uh, he said it was great, he really loved it, and then we talked to the academic dean, and he was less like that. He thought it really wasn't up to the decorum of what a Bible college chapel should be like, you know, coming in and playing some oldies tune and making up silly lyrics about a, an activity. And so he said to us, I would like you to come, I would like you to come before you do an announcement, like a week before, uh, get... I want you to tell me what the tune's going to be. 
I want you to show me what all the lyrics are, and I want you to come and sing it for me in my office, and I will tell you whether or not it's appropriate for chapel. The president has already told us, mine, the president has already told us, this is great, keep it up. But the academic dean wanted us to come to his office. So when we got to his office the first time, I realized that I'm imagining, I'm, I'm imagining a, a, a new verse that's pictured over the top of the, the ark in his doorway, and it says, thou shalt not have fun. And that's what it felt like. And you just went in there and you think, I'm going to be deflated by the time I leave this, this situation. So we went the first time and, and we, we sang the song with as much enthusiasm as we could muster and as much confidence. And he was looking, he was frowning at us the whole time and he told us that he would get back to us. And uh, so we went immediately to the president's office and say, here's our next announcement. Is this okay? And he said, yeah, that's great. <laughs> There's two different types of reaction that you would get. Uh, if, you're not, if you don't believe that story, actually, the one that I was helping do that is actually on staff here. He's a friend of mine, uh, Pastor Donald Calder, uh, and he would organize those things. And so he can tell you a little bit about that experience that we've had with that particular joy sucker. <laughs> when we were, uh, when I was looking at these verses about joy and about God's desire to fill us with joy, and yet what we often see that there are places and, and even people in our lives that drain the joy from us, I thought we should sort of um, decide who all of these people are. And without, not to name names, because that could get uh, a little uncomfortable, but I thought we'd look at a list. And the first person I want to look at is up on your screen now, yourself. I've come to realize that, sure, there's all those other joy suckers out there, but I've come to realize that the number one person that steals or sucks my joy is me. For, for people, the, thing, the number one thing that, that steals their joy is themselves. They're looking for joy in places where they ought not to be looking. They have a wrong allegiance. I wanted to look back again at this verse in Romans chapter 15. When it talks about this wrong allegiance, what God wants for us, he says in Romans 15, it says, May the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. He just doesn't say, I hope God makes you happy. I hope God gives you joy. I hope God gives you peace. He says, this is the pathway. First, you trust in him. And then you trust in him. You continue to trust in him. And as you trust in him, he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. So that there's a reason for this. There's a reason why the author says, I want the God of hope to fill you with joy and to fill you with peace. There's a reason for it. Here's the so that, so that you might overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to overflow with hope. You know what it's like for something to overflow? I'll give an example. When I was, uh, when I was young, I had uh, two brothers growing up, three boys in the household. And when we were at mealtime, we would sometimes say, you know, may I have some milk or may I have some water? Whoever the, the milk pitcher was in front of, they would, they would be willing to pour it. And if my mom and dad were pouring it, they started this idea, they started this habit, they would say, say, When? So the idea was, you tell, them how much, you tell them when to stop pouring. 
And so that sort of became a little pattern. And then I remember one time, one of my brothers, uh, or one of us boys, I should say, uh, asked for some milk. And it, the milk pitcher was in front of one of the brothers. And so the older brother started pouring, and he said, say when. So this other brother, okay, forget that. So I said, <laughs> so I said nothing. Because as soon as he said say when, I realized it was a game of chicken. I turned it into a competition. I turned getting a glass of milk into a game of chicken with my brother. So he said, say when, and the milk started to rise. And I just sat there thinking, this is going to be fun. And it got higher and higher. And as it got closer to the top, I noticed that my brother tipped the pitcher back a little and poured a little more slowly. He was giving me a little more time to say when. And I wasn't planning on saying when. I was already anticipating what was going to happen. Because my brother was caught in a trap. He didn't realize it until he started pouring. He had two options. He could continue pouring so that my milk would overflow. Then he would get in trouble with my parents. Or he could stop pouring and know that he was the chicken. He would be the one forever labeled as the one who stopped pouring. And so he was caught in this trap and he didn't know what I could tell. I had him. He didn't know what to do. And he kept pouring and he kept pouring. And he kept pouring until he was, he, and it started to overflow. And my parents interceded at that point. And I look back and I realize that was fun for me. But now that I'm a parent and I have a child, I realize that's not funny. <laughs> There's nothing about that story that's funny now that I'm a parent. But as a kid, I was just so thrilled. Boy, supper time was fun at our house. We just never knew what was going to happen. But that picture of the, in my head of the glass overflowing, I always go to that picture in my mind when I realize what God wants to do for us with his joy. This verse in Romans says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that, here's the word, so that you may overflow with hope. Overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of hope wants to do something for us so that our hope will be overflowing. Can't contain the amount of hope that God is pouring into us. That's an amazing picture, and he says he does it by filling us with joy and peace as we trust him. By filling us with joy and peace as we trust him. Trusting in anything or anyone else removes us from the God of hope, who can fill us with all joy and peace. Trusting in God brings us joy and peace that leads to hope. God wants us to overflow with hope. So when we look around and say we've got joy suckers in our life, we need to look in the mirror first and say, Is, am I the number one? Is it me first? Do I have a wrong allegiance? Do I have wrong pursuits? Am I going in the wrong direction? Is my life's direction saying that I don't really trust in God? If I'm not trusting in God, he's not going to be able to fill me with hope, with joy and peace, so that I can overflow with hope. We can have wrong pursuits. We can have wrong priorities. 
First John talks about don't love the world. Don't love the world system. Don't love the things that the world loves. The things that are important to the world, don't make sure that they're not the most important thing to you. Because it says in First John, John chapter 2, if you do those things, the, the, everything that's in the world does not come from the Father. We can have wrong priorities. And so we can be the number one joy sucker in our life by the way and the direction that we choose to go. Number two, this is easier, others. Let's talk about other people, right? That's way easier. There can be people in our lives, and there, I think there are those who are Christians and those who are unchristian, not Christians, but not believers, that can pull and suck the joy from our lives as well. There are some believers, and maybe you know some, that seem that they've tried to distill the Christian life down to a set of rules. It's just a set of rules. But it's not. How could it be a set of rules when the God of hope wants to fill us with hope? God wants to have us overflow with hope by filling us with love and filling us with peace. How can it be just a set of rules? It's not that. But there are those believers who think that they've distilled the entire Christian life down to a set of rules. Those people I find to be the joy suckers. And we need to be careful. And I also need to be, uh, I need to remind myself, and I've thought of this this week specifically, I wonder if I'm one of the others for somebody else. Rather than just look at my life, I think, I wonder if I'm a joy sucker for somebody else. Lord, I hope, show me if I am. Okay, yep, uh, James can help you with that. Okay, thank you very much for that. Sometimes it can be me for somebody else. What's easy for us to see that it, who's sucking the joy out of my life? It's easy for us to see that. But sometimes we need to have that mirror of reflection put up in front of our own faces by maybe God himself to say, maybe I'm the one that's having the joy suck from me as well. I'm the one who's sucking the joy from others. And there are those who are believers and those who are unbelievers. And also I think we need to realize that Satan is one as well. Satan is one in First Peter that talks about, uh, he's, it's talked about him as being our enemy. He is our enemy. You might think you've got lots of enemies. You might think you know specific enemies, but here in Philippians, or sorry, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking to devour you. He's looking to devour me. He's prowling around looking for his chance to pounce, and he wants, us, he wants to take away the joy that God wants to give to us. James has an announcement for us. There's a doctor. Is there a, they come to the back? If there's a doctor the in the room, just uh, back here to this spot here. Thank you very much for your help. In fact, let's take a moment and pray. Lord, we want to come to you. We're glad that we can come to you in all these situations that we face in our lives. Lord, we have someone in medical distress right now, right here in our, our midst. And Lord, I pray for them. I thank you for those who are able to come and attend and help. And as they do, I pray that you'll give them wisdom. Lord, I thank you that we can come to you in these difficult and even emergency situations. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to turn to you, uh, oversee and undertake in this situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Joy can be, I sort of feel like joy is our responsibility. 
I need to live in a way that I'm trusting God so that he can do what he wants to do. Some of us have a misperception of what you think God wants, you to, God wants to do in your life. You think you know what God wants you to do. You think God wants to take away all the fun. He's like that, the man in the office who has that imaginary extra verse over top of his door. It says, thou shalt not have fun. Thou shalt not have joy. That's not God's office. God is the, the God of hope. That's his title. It's one of his titles, the God of hope. And he says that he wants to fill us with all joy. That term all means joy in, in all its types, in all its the kinds of joy there is. It's, it's, the, it's not just all joy, but it's all the types of joy, all the joy that you can experience. It says that God wants to fill you with all joy and all peace as we trust in him so that our hope might overflow. We need to realize that our joy comes only from God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time that we can look and see that you are a God who is in favor of joy. You are a God who gives joy. As the God of hope, you're the one who delivers joy and peace to us as we trust in you so that we can overflow with hope. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for the promise that you give. I thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be together today.